Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of God, the most beneficent, the most merciful, I'd like to welcome you all to this eighth episode of the Qazwini Brothers podcast. My name is Sayyid Muhammad Rala Qazwini, and joined with me today is my dear elder brother, Sayyid Muhammad Jawad Qazwini. Today we're going to be talking about abortion. According to the Guttmacher Institute in 2017, about 18% of pregnancies within the United States resulted in abortion. That's close to 860,000 abortions. And in the U.S., women were given the right to choose between keeping their child and abortion in uh, 1973, which in the grand scale of things, that is not too long ago. So we're going to talk all about that today. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين وأما بعد Respected brothers and sisters, viewers, friends, السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Today uh, we're going to be talking about an extremely important topic uh, an extremely sensitive topic at the same time. A lot of people may have known and a lot of people may have thought of why is it that we have chosen such a topic. Even though it's a sensitive topic um, and people usually try to stay away from sensitive topics. Uh, it's because I have come to know and I believe that you somehow will be introduced to this topic, somehow you'd be involved with this topic, uh, whether it's directly or indirectly, somewhere, somehow in your lifetime. It's a very unfortunate thing. Uh, however, uh, like said Muhammad Allah said, one million people, almost a million people have legally aborted their children uh, last year in America, correct? Right. And imagine how many aborted them, you know, in uh, unconventional ways. That was 2017. 2017. Yeah, but. yeah. So, the numbers are very high. Uh, people will come across this issue, you know, whether it's uh, it's a relative, whether it's uh, it's a friend, whether it's a classmate. Uh, mm -hmm. whether it's you know somebody in their immediate family right. uh, somewhere somehow you're going to be involved directly or indirectly with this scenario and I think you know when it happens then people start panicking people don't know what to do mm -hmm. besides the fact that a lot of laws surrounding abortion um, are ambiguous right People don't really talk about them. Even scholars. I mean, uh, I did a quick research last night and saw that it's literally nobody has spoken about it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I just missed uh, to find it. But anyhow, I, I feel that it's a, it's a topic that has not been discussed. It's a topic that has been ignored. But it's a topic that exists in our community. Right. Uh, people, uh, to say the least, you know, there are a lot of physicians that work in the field, and uh, you know, there there are laws that directly uh, 
basically challenge their practice. Right. Um, and we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. You know, if if you're a physician that's aborting a child uh, without cause, you know, without a reason, uh, then uh, Islam holds you somehow reli- uh, liable, and that's something that's discussed by jurists. Uh, you know, if if you are somebody who is uh, uh, going to have a child that is going to be ill for sure. I mean, with a with a with an unbearable illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do? Do you keep the child? Do you abort the child? Are you allowed to abort the child? Uh, you know, uh, there are instances, for example, in, in in Islamic history and up until now in Islamic history, there have been instances where. For example, during the Crusades, right. uh, a lot of Muslim women were, were raped. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, jurists began to really, for the first time, discuss this issue that, you know, if, God forbid, a woman is raped, yeah. uh, then can she abort the child then? Knowing that, you know, this was some uh, Serbian soldier or some soldier that, you know, he just, she's basically never going to see him again. Right. And he took advantage of her, uh, and it was a malicious act. Right. Now, if, if something like that would happen, what would be the Islamic ruling? So I think it's a very sensitive topic and, and very important topic at the same time. Uh, I hope that our listeners uh, somewhere, somehow, also give us the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I think that the idea is we are trying to uh, get a discussion uh, happening, you yeah. know, get get some people to think, uh, get mm-hmm. some critical thinking, uh, try to portray uh, the opinion of Islamic jurists right. uh, to them. However, you know, I don't want to be insensitive towards some people, or or we're not trying to judge anybody, and at the same time, mm-hmm. we're definitely not trying to give them legal advice. Right. Uh, all we're trying to do is. Uh, get a healthy discussion happening around this topic that's been ignored for and, and put away on the shelves for for a very long time um, and uh, you know if, if we say certain things that um, you know may not be uh, appreciated by some people it's definitely not meant for them to come out that way or it's not meant to hurt anybody's feelings because I know this this topic is very sensitive I just wanted to right. make sure I say that yeah so just put that disclaimer out there. Um, We're going to be going over these few main points today. We're going to talk about Roe v. Wade, the landmark decision which gave women the right to choose between, um, you know, life or choice. We're going to talk about the recent infringements on abortion. We're going to talk about why people get abortions. Um, We'll go over the fiqhi perspective, the Islamic perspective on abortion, if it's ever right to get one. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the science behind abortions. And finally, we'll end with contraceptives and we'll take questions after that. So Jane Roe, which is basically a a fictionalized woman, um, there was someone that sued the governor of Texas to hide her identity. They named her Jane Roe. So she said that the state was infringing upon her right to privacy in the due process clause of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. So eventually, after a few rulings, you know, back and forth, the state ruled that um, 
abortions are allowed in the first trimester with uh, basically the woman's choice and the healthcare provider's choice. So within the first trimester, the state was not able to place regulations on her choice. In the second and third trimester, however, there became regulations. And in the third, you know, the state can just outright ban the, um, abortion. the abortion unless the mother's health is, is in danger. So Roe v. Wade was kind of a, a, a phenomenon as a lawsuit that feminists around the United States and women rights advocates uh, around the United States were rallying behind because to them, the right to choice was one of the pillars of women's rights debates. And even today, you know, you see um, political parties are torn on this. Presidential uh, nominees are torn on this and they all take one stance. So um, just talking about that, let's talk about the polarization of abortion just in politics. Well, uh, you know, if, if, if we wanted to really look at the presidency of our current president, right. uh, you know, a lot of things started changing, a lot of, uh, a lot of rights were, were challenged. Right. Um, uh, you know, I, um, for example, the, the immigrants um, yeah. inside, you know, people migrating to the United States, illegal immigrants in the United States, uh, you know, some you know building the wall uh with the muslim ban the muslim ban uh a lot of things uh were challenged obviously by this president right um and uh you know but but i think that uh there's one area that uh kind of plays a role in what we have to what what we're trying to do here and that is a discussion maybe we should have later on you know in in in, in the um and the shows that, inshallah, we will have after the month of Ramadan is yeah. uh, separating church and state. Right, secularism. So, you know, once you live in a country that separates, obviously, one of its pillars is separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. Then, as a Christian, as a Jew, as a Muslim, as a Hindu, whatever your religion may be, uh, if you're somebody who cares about, you know, and values the opinion of your religion. Right then what you're going to do is you're going to get insight on, on uh, your religion uh, and this particular topic or this particular subject. Right. So, for example, with this, abortion. If you're a practicing Jew, then you're probably going to investigate, ask some scholars, read some books, look at your scripture, and try to get insight. Similarly for Christians, and, and the same thing for Muslims. And then once you have that opinion and once you have that insight, I think it then helps you uh, kind of uh, take your stance from uh, what is happening politically. So do you agree with this president? Do you disagree with this president? If there is a bill, are you going to vote on this bill? If you end up getting you know, elected to, to serve as a member of Congress or, yeah. or whatever it may be, how do you, uh, you know, what do you do? Right. Obviously, as religious as the religious leadership in America, whether you know, like I said, you're a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim, 
they will not be able to dictate onto you and say, this is your political stance. Right. Even though it's done, I'm not saying nobody's doing it, but I'm just saying that's the idea. When you separate church and state, that means the church is supposed to stay away from telling people exactly what to do. Right. And just give them the insight. Now, I as a person where, you know, if I'm an individual looking at politics and I want to take a stance, or if, I, if I'm... Uh, uh, involved in politics myself, I'm a lawmaker myself, I'm an attorney, I'm somehow directly or indirectly involved, I have the insight, I know the laws, then I get to choose for myself and I get to, and I get to make a decision on you know, how, I, how I voice my opinion. Right. Um, and that is why then you have freedom of speech. You know, a lot of people are now pro-life and a lot of them are, are basically saying that pro-choice. a woman has pro-choice, a yeah. woman has the right to basically over her body. Yeah. Uh, that's how you have a variety of opinions, difference, dif- differences of, opi- of opinion. Yeah. But in the end of the day, I think it's very important for people to be able to have a stance, uh, 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 be able to have an opinion, be able to, uh, you know, a lot of people when you ask them about something, they say, oh, I really don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know what I should say. I don't know how yeah. I should vote. And that's not really how I would want Muslim, the Muslim community to be. I mean, you, at the end of the day, it's important that you're involved. And, and if in some areas where it doesn't make sense to you, you don't get involved. And soon enough, you're giving yourself the opportunity to not get involved every time you don't feel good about it. Right. So you have to go and investigate and research and get insight. And then, you know, you will have a better perspective on also what's happening politically in the same time. Yeah, you know, the, the thing about Roe v. Wade is it <clears throat> basically ensured that every state has different regulations on abortion. Yeah. So whether which place you're living in de- affects you, you know, you should know about what your state says about abortion, what kind of regulations, because imagine you're a physician or a doctor. You need to know those things, yeah. even a normal person. Definitely. It might not affect you directly, but like you said, it could affect someone you know. So I agree. You should know where to stand, um, mm-hmm. especially depending on where you live. So recent infringements on abortion began basically with our current administration. We know that women were at the forefront, um, some of the first people to basically go against our current administration, counter him. Um, Many smear campaigns were, you know, put forth against him. Women came with accusations saying, uh, you know, he he sexually assaulted us. These kind of things happened to us. And women just felt objectified by the current president, sexualized, you know, harassed. So to basically counter that, he said, you know what, I'm going to take some of your rights away. If you guys want to mess with me, I'll mess with you guys back. I'm going to put, you know, some states like Alabama put some of the most stringent uh, regulations on abortion since before Roe v. Wade. So not to say they banned abortion because they might not been able to, but they made it almost impossible to get one right so basically what is this all about the infringements on women's rights when it came to the current administration um let's touch on that a little bit um you know i think it's uh like i said you know i think it's a circle of 
of events that happened after uh, the election of our current president. You right. Know, uh, I don't think it's just women. You know, a lot of Muslims are feeling the same way. A lot right. of uh, immigrants, minorities. Um, I think a lot of change happened um, right. and, and very fast. Um, so it, it's just the nature of this administration, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not just to say basically women's rights, but like you said, minority rights, colored people, um, things like that. Um, so basically talking about the scientific aspect when it comes to abortion, science has proven that um, six weeks after basically a the gestation occurs. So gestation is the period after the first cycle is missed. That's what they call gestation scientifically so an ultrasound could pick up a heartbeat six weeks after gestation in some cases um and some studies have shown that certain mothers can develop ptsd trauma depression after an abortion um just touching on that and the science behind uh maybe the pros and cons behind abortion uh let's talk about that a little bit Uh, definitely. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the fact that you said, uh, some woman will mentally suffer, right. Uh, after an abortion happens, uh, that's definitely the case. It's an undeniable fact. Um, uh, even though maybe very few of them will not feel anything, but the majority of them will just like, uh, it doesn't even have to be an abortion. It's uh, miscarriages. Miscarriages. Yeah. You know, when women have a miscarriage, they're very sad. They're depressed for some time. It's in the back of their minds. They need to get over it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not, I don't think it is something that makes any woman happy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Even the ones that are probably uh, pro-choice and they're very vocal about that. I don't think they're really trying to do this because it makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to do is, uh, or what they're trying to say is, you cannot really tell me what to do mm-hmm. because you're not in my situation. Yeah. Uh, now, when this person is, for example, in that particular situation, then I'm sure they've, they'll, they'll think about it many times. I'm sure they will... Uh, probably seek advice from certain people, do, you know, a little bit of research, talk to their physicians. But at the end of the day, you know, they're saying we should be the ones that make this decision. And we'll talk about the Islamic fiqhi rulings on that later. But I'm just trying to portray what they're trying to say. And I feel that, you know, uh, the, the emotional aspect of it is definitely always going to be there. Right. For both sides. It's traumatic, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the, 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 the time in which a state allows you to have an abortion, right. I think it's also scientifically somehow connected to one another where, you know, once this, you know, you've basically, some, some tell you it's the first trimester, some tell you it's the second, I'm not sure if the third is even allowed. So in certain uh, situations, states will allow you to have an abortion in the third trimester based on the mother's health. Yeah, okay. So 
and, and normal conditions, probably you know, not. Let's yeah. say when they say you know you have the first trimester to decide on this. Yeah, it's because if you wait after that, it's very you. You're literally killing someone. Yeah, and uh, you know that's not encouraged. That's not something that you know you know you want to be involved in. Uh, right. So, you know the the. I would say the you know the other party's argument uh, is also look it's just like murder you're killing someone mm-hmm. uh, this person's life it's it's true that you have control over this person's life because that person is in your body yeah but in the same time it is them who are independent individuals in your body created by God and you shouldn't be killing them without any reason right. And if you have whatever the reason may be, if you have you know a, any sort of valid reason for yourself, do it in the first trimester. You know, yeah. don't wait until this baby's about to be born and yeah. he has a heartbeat and he has a shape and his gender is known and everything, and then you're just gonna abort this child. Yeah, that's what uh, the Texas governor kind of was arguing is that you you basically need to. Conduct the abortion before the fetus reaches a state of viability, mm-hmm. which means, uh, you know, it might develop a soul. I know science can't prove when a fetus develops a soul per se, but maybe a heartbeat can be an indicator mm-hmm. or um, other things like that. And 90 days is plenty of time to think, you know, but um, regardless, in 2019, 50% of U.S. states are uh, U.S. women. Um, of reproductive age so that's I think almost 40 million women they lived in a state that had um, that was considered hostile towards abortion rights and as of September 1st 2019 29 states were considered hostile towards abortion rights so just to reiterate that you should also do your homework and know where your state stands on this Mm -hmm. And uh, you should know your, your governor, yeah. your your uh, your uh, members of Congress, stuff yeah. like that. Those are very important things that we need. Basically, when we talked about political awareness, and I'll reemphasize that I think those things are important. Right. You know, for, for we need to know, you know, the political stance of our representatives. Right. On things they represent us on. Yeah. Right. And obviously, when it comes to the right to your privacy, um, for a woman's choice, they should all know. How how to stand on the subject? So now that we've talked about the politics, the science behind it, we've touched on a few aspects of abortion. Um, let's talk about the Islamic perspective. I know um, in some cases, obviously, a mother's health is important. Maybe if if she was sexually assaulted, uh, certain situations. So I want to know firsthand what the Islamic perspective on abortion is. Yeah, so that's uh that's the the highlight of the topic, I guess. And I'm going to start by reciting some little verse verses from the Holy Quran. I think two verses that are uh, that di- can directly be connected to this topic. Mm-hmm. The first one is of Surah Al Isra, uh, verse number thirty one, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Wala taqtulu awladakum khashyata imlaqin nahnu narzukhum wa iyaqum." Mm-hmm. Uh, Allah says that do not kill mm-hmm. and, and do not uh, uh, 
take away the life of your children right. <clears throat> from the fear of poverty. Right. So the same thing applies. You know, the, they, they were aborting children because of poverty. Because this verse talks about people who basically, uh, well, not have the child. Right. Um, or will not welcome this child into the into this world because they feel that they're not financially stable, they're not financially capable. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Nahnu narzukuhum wa iyyakum." We are the ones that provide to you. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the provider, just like He's providing for me today, for me and my wife, and for example, one or two children. Yeah. He will provide for the next two or for the next three. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُهُمْ وَإِيَّاكُمْ Some of the Mufassireen have stated it's as if Allah is saying that if you want to increase in all your rizq, all your sustenance as a family together, allow this to happen. And if you abort this child, then it's as if the rizq will be cut or decreased for everybody. Right. Because then you, it shows that you don't really believe that rizq comes from Allah. Mm-hmm. But you kind of have this idea that rizq comes from you and your hard work. And obviously there is, you know, Islam has a very clear perspective on this. Where, you know, we read in the du'a, for example, that you, Allah... I, you know, I wake up in the day, I go to work, I work hard, I go to the desert sometimes, sometimes I go to the oceans, I travel from city to city. Yeah. I seek my rizq in different places uh, uh, with different people. You know, you go into so many different business meetings and so many different encounters. But in the end of the day, I struggle and I do what I have to do. However, knowing that you rizq is in your hand. And you are the one that distributes it. And you are the one that bestows that upon me. So that is something that Islam stands for. And Allah says, you know, if you stop this child from coming to this world, then you're going to jeopardize your rizq. If you welcome him to this world, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will increase in your rizq. And I think that if you ask anybody, any, any small family who has grown... Uh, you know, once they have their first child, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers that family with rizq and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and sustenance. Another one is chapter 81, verse 8. Right. You know, the, the, the little girls that were being buried alive. Yeah, in pre-Islamic uh, Arabia. Yeah, in the pre-Islamic Arabia. And, uh, you know, they were waiting for them to be born. And as soon as they're born... Uh, obviously, they would see the gender, and once they determine the gender, they would bury that uh, girl girl alive. Right. And uh, Allah says in the day of judgment, this baby will ask, why was I killed? Right. Why was I buried alive? Yeah. Why did they do this to me? And that's just because they didn't want to have girls, girls in their family. Because they thought that girls are shameful. Right. Um, and it's a shame to have girls. Um, so Islamically, let's get something uh, cleared up. Islamically, lack of finances is no excuse. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm poor, we are poor, we can't afford this child, I, I just got laid off, I, uh, you know, I, I don't have a steady job, I'm working two jobs, none of that matters. Right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making it clear that He will provide. Right. So if you have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we see what the Quran has to say and realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will even increase in our rizq. Maybe after the child is born, then you're going to get a job and a good job and a good paying job. Another is the fiqhi perspective, the perspective of the scholars when it comes to this particular issue. So I think, I think we do have uh, participants in, in our audience who are not Shia. Right. Um, and we also have uh, those who are interested to know the opinion of other madahib. So I have decided that when we introduce such a topic of, of such details, we are portraying the Muslim opinion, the Islamic opinion. So we, we will bring, you know, the opinion of other madahib, other schools of thought, uh, so that all Muslims together can understand, you know, what their scholars are saying on the topic and then, right. you know, uh, decide, for, decide them. for themselves or have a better um, understanding. So... The four Sunni madhabs, they allow a woman to abort a child within the first 40 days. So she has a choice, basically. Okay. To keep the child or abort the child. Al-Shafi'iyya, Al-Hanbaliyya, Al-Hanafis. So the Shafi'is, the, Hanaf the Hanafis, and the Hanbalis, mm -hmm. those three schools of thought, allow abortion within the first 40 days. However, the Malikis and the Imamis, the Shia, they do not. From the right. very first uh, gestation, period. gestation period, when a menstrual cycle is missed, then, and the, 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 you know, it is confirmed that this woman is pregnant, yeah. then Maybe she's a not test a, or yeah, by a test, let's yeah. say, then she's not allowed to abort the child. However, uh, first 90 days, mm -hmm. some people say 100 days. Now, the riwayat doesn't really say how many days. Right. The Ruayat says Ba'd or Qabl ilaj al-Ruh. Right. Right before the soul enters that fetus. fetus. Right. Or right after the soul enters the fetus. Um, but, you know, some scholars have said it's 120 days. Some said it's 90 days. Right. Uh, it could be, you know, right before the third trimester. First. Uh, First trimester would be the first 90 days. Oh, first trimester. Okay, so first trimester. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, or the stage of viability. Right. Yeah. So yeah. before the stage of viability or, or, or the first trimester, right before the second trimester, those laws may apply uh, in the imami school of thought. Right. The imami scholars have stated the following. That... Um, there are some areas where they are considered an exception. Right. What are the exceptions to this rule? Number one is if there is an extreme danger that is going to fall onto the mother. Mm -hmm. For example, there are instances where she's going to have very high blood pressure and she's going mm -hmm. to lose her sight. Right. Basically, she may lose both her eyes and become blind. Right. 
or she it, this pregnancy may result in her losing a limb or it may result into her death mm -hmm. so something of that significance uh, then she is allowed to abort the child uh, obviously by by uh, a physician yeah obviously by the council of physicians you know mm -hmm. not Healthcare that oh i think this is going to hurt my health yeah. this is going to kill me no that's not how it works Number two is, you know, if a woman is, is, is raped, God forbid, unfortunately. And again, before the end of the first trimester. And it's going to cause a lot of damage to her, to her reputation, to her family. And she basically is left with no other option. Yeah. This is very important. Uh, for us to mention, you know, not every rape uh, should result in that. You know, you should still have a choice. You know, some people may tell you, okay, but now that I have this child, yeah, uh, it's why, not. Why forced, should I kill them? The it's not forced. It's the choice is there. Okay. Some people say. Some people think it's forced. That, uh, as if you know, uh, you are forced to uh, abort, abort this child yeah. because he's a he's a child out of yeah. haram, out of yeah. wedlock. And that is not the case. Right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of that child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of that child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love that child as well. And, you know, uh, while there are illegitimate ways to have children, right. God forbid, there are no illegitimate children. Because if God wishes for them to breathe and, and to be alive, there are legitimate people to be here. Right. So if you... Fear that you cannot have this child, then you abort the child. You're given permission, basically. However, let me emphasize on, on a very important point here. What is rape? I've noticed that uh, today, especially in the West, this word is used very loosely. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a woman that was there by her own choice, uh, you know, and uh, I don't want to talk about details. I don't know the... the, the you know the average age of viewers or how 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 this is discussion is all filtered it probably is discussed as as uh people people are probably watching this at home but if she ended up being in that situation on by her choice mm -hmm. uh seducing the the person by her choice and then somehow somewhere down the line uh you know she decides oh this is not for me we have to understand the definition of rape as rational people around the world understand it and as Islam defines it, if we're going to give a verdict here. Um, you know, you literally have, the person has to literally be forced into this, God forbid. They have yeah. to be fully taken advantage of, you know. Um, it's not that, oh, uh, I was there at that moment, I felt like I was okay with it. Then when I left, I felt like I had made a mistake. So now I'm going to uh, uh, accuse this person of rape. That's that's horrible. That's a horrible thing to do. You know, that's right. not that's not um, that's not something any woman should be proud of. If you were yeah. part of a mistake, uh, it's a two way street. Then you should own up on that mistake and, right. and not go around accusing people. Anyhow, so we have to we have to also understand that. The definition of rape is not as loose as it is used in, in, in today's world. Okay, so the third uh, area is zina. 
-hmm. If a person made a mistake, uh, let's say two young people, God forbid, they 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 made a mistake. They were they were drunk. They were intoxicated. They didn't know what they were doing. They made a mistake, and now there is a child that's that that you know she tests for pregnancy, and you know it's the first before the first ninety days, and she has you know um, she has time to basically uh, decide on that. Not all scholars allow that, right? But you know, again, if it creates uh, unbearable conditions for her, right? For her family, maybe she's going to be kicked out of the house, out of the community, maybe. Maybe in some parts of the world, you know, this woman would be killed, right? Right. They would literally Definitely. kill her. Yeah. Or they would imprison her for the rest of her life. Right. Or they would, for example, marry her to somebody that's 30 years older than her. So those yeah. things then create a discussion amongst the scholars on the fact that, you know, is she allowed to abort the child then or not? She's given So here there are specific opinions by scholars. Mm-hmm. Um, number four is if the fetus or this child has extreme handicapness yeah, defects. and defects mm-hmm. um, God forbid God forbid you know um, sometimes you find that this child literally doesn't have a face yeah or, or like you no know eyes and no nose. eyes no yeah. nose uh, <clears throat> or it's born with an illness that is unbearable for the mother right so the mother is saying, look, this child needs 24 hours of care. Right. I cannot care for this child 24 hours because A, I have other kids. I have a family. B, I am planning to have more kids. Right. Uh, so in this, in this particular area, uh, it is also allowed before the first trimester. After that, according to, for example, Sayyidi Sistani, it's not allowed. After that, according to some fuqaha and some mujtahid, still allowed. So you have to really go back to if if you were discussing anything after the uh, the state of viability, then yeah. we have to go to specific maraja, specific scholars. But we're here talking about general some laws. general laws. And for the most part, from what I read uh, in the works of scholars who. Uh, or uh, the Sunni scholars, the Sunni fuqaha, uh, for the same part, they're you know not uh, more strict from what I saw. Some of them are even more lenient. Obviously, there are people who uh, are always very strict in both right. in both schools of thought. So, uh, you know, for the most part, I felt I feel like what we Personally. just said belongs to all the madahab, inshallah, and. Uh, uh, let me just look at my notes. I think the rest you're going to bring them up. So when you do bring them up, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll discuss them. <coughs> yeah. So I know that. Um, well, obviously, statistics show that contraceptives are a really good way to lower abortion rates. Um, if people are using certain kinds of protections and birth controls, then they may not have to you uh, conduct an abortion. Right. Absolutely. It, it would never reach that stage. So. I know this is also a polarizing subject in, in our faith, um, contraceptive use. Is contraceptive use halal and what kind of birth controls are we allowed to use? 
Yes, contraceptives are halal and sometimes very recommended. Right. <laughs> for some people. If you um, have like six, seven kids, maybe. No, I don't want to put a number and say if you have six, seven kids. You know, some people can right. have 12 kids and still and manage still them and give them, them. Yeah. you know, moral and ethical standards and, and make them good people. Right. So bless them, you know. Uh, may Allah bless them and, and, and keep their family healthy. But for other people... Uh, you know, if if they're if they're just you know uh, not caring for their kids, if they if their kids are gonna end up behind bars or joining gangs or, or yeah. troublemakers or just becoming a burden on society, I would think that if you are a burden on society and your children are becoming a burden on society, then I would suggest that you know you use contraceptives. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think judging on people's situations. Um, there are two types. One is temporary and mm. one is permanent. Right. And this is also something that I think that for the most part, all schools of thought agree on. Except few that do not allow it at all. Right. But I don't want to talk about that specific minority. I want to talk about the majority. Um, so the temporary is allowed. Right. Even IUDs are allowed because they are temporary. Right. Anything permanent, a permanent disability, a permanent, um, uh, to permanently basically uh, stop yourself right. or disable yourself from, ha- from being able to have baby, yeah. uh, to, to be able to, 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 produce, to children. produce children, whether it's for, man, for the man or for the woman, that is not allowed. Right. That is prohibited in the religion of Islam. Um, so, um, I guess that answers your question, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, yeah. if it's temporary, it's allowed, uh, if it's, uh, permanent, permanent then it's not allowed. Okay. And I think we basically touched on everything. We have a lot of questions yeah, that we, do. we can answer. Yeah. Um, let's look through the live chat and even the comments. Uh, well, before we look at the live chat, to be honest with you, I think we have questions that we have to take from, uh, the, comment from the comment section, people that have actually right. uh, emailed us their questions. Okay. So first is uh, clearing, you know, some, some, uh, uh, some people asked uh, about the, um, yeah. it's okay. the way that we should be able to explain this to non-Muslims or those who disagree with us on this particular Islamic stance, uh, how do we explain it? And I, I feel that the best way for us to understand this from an Islamic perspective is our bodies do not belong to us right. according to Islam. According to the Quran, Allah says, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajul. We right. are from Allah, we belong to Allah and to Him we return. So our bodies, our limbs, are uh, uh, a tr- Allah has entrusted us with them. So I can't just come and, for example, cut my hand and say, it's my hand, I have a right over off. my own body, let me chop it off. Right. I cannot do that. Um, I can't, you know, amputate a finger. Uh, this body belongs to Allah. We have to protect it. We have right. to take care of it. And we cannot even, you know, according to the Quran, we cannot put ourselves in direct danger mm-hmm. and say, you know what, um, it's my choice. I can, for example, try throwing myself off this cliff and see if I can manage somehow. Yeah. That's not allowed. If something has that, you know, a, a great amount of danger to you, to your existence, to your body, you should not be involved in it. Right. According to this verse from the Holy Quran. 
So if we do not have control over our body in that sense, if we do not have a choice and it belongs to Allah, also the soul, this body, this human that is within the woman, that also belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if I cannot be tampering with my own body, if I cannot be hurting my own self, right. same thing goes for this child that's, uh, that's you know, uh, 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 within this, this mother. Right. So she cannot basically, that's this, that's the Islamic stance is that, uh, you know, after we explain the reasoning, without any reason, without any rationale, uh, Islam does not allow this process. Um, now, another question was, uh, that I wanted to take, uh, and I think it's important, is one of the sisters, or one of the ladies here in, in, the, in the discussion, said, why are two men talking about this issue? Yeah, valid question. Uh, and I felt like, you know, this is something that uh, was not coming out of hate. It was coming yeah. out of, you know, like you said, a valid question. And I, I, I think we should be uh, talking about it. You know, first of all, we're not here giving legal advice to anybody. And we're not here telling them what to do. Right. Uh, and we are not here to judge anybody. And right. I, like I said, you know, we don't know people's situations. We're not in their shoes. Right. We, we, uh, we are not, you know, we are not the judges of people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So we're not really here to tell people what to do or, 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 or to, to act in certain ways. We are doing A... We're creating this discussion because we feel it's an ignored topic. Right. Number two, we are giving the Islamic Quranic perspective on this. So we used verses from the Quran. We are using the the the, the opinion of scholars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the most part, this is a helpful discussion for many people. It right. is. It creates insight uh, for people. However, like I said, you know, once you live in a country, uh, you know, once you live in Western democracies where church and state are separated. I, as a religious scholar, will not come and tell you, you know, this is how you have to vote on this issue. This is your stance on this issue. Um, You're going to have to make a decision on your own. But does that mean that we as men should not talk about certain topics and women should not talk about certain topics that relate to men? I think that is uh, kind of taking it too far. Um, uh, Yeah, and so basically somebody asks on... How we should vote on certain, the, uh, yeah, certain are issues? We are, we, are, are, we, are we allowed to, to basically engage in this type of voting? You know, like I said, at the end of the day, you know now the Islamic insight. You yeah. know the Islamic opinion. You know the, the Quran and, and what the Quran has to say about it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you make a decision there on the, yeah, the I, best possible. I saw comments in, in the comment section that said, you know, I'm pro-choice, but I'm also pro-life. And uh, that's kind of a contradiction, but you know what? It's okay because there's so much gray area when it comes to uh, a topic like this. It's polarizing. It's hard to take a stance and you have to go case by case basis. So I think um, it's important for people to do their own homework and research and know basically where they should stand, especially as women. Um, they should know where, where they should stand and how their state laws affect them and do their own homework as well. Um, and maybe, inshallah, you know, we'll inspire some of our sisters to talk about this subject. That way inshallah. it's not only two men talking about it, but for the time being, you know, we just wanted to shed some light on it, talk about a very polarizing subject. 
Um, Inshallah. And I think that wraps it up. You know, uh, yeah, it does, because unfortunately, I think there's something wrong with the internet again, uh, that a lot of the questions that were uh, previously stated, I can no longer access them, or I don't know how, but I think we've reached our limit, uh, so we should wrap it up before, uh, you know, we We lose the video again, and we get cut off by Instagram at the one hour uh, cut off line. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, as always. Uh, We'd like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for showing us your support, your feedback, your appreciation. Thank you to everyone who's been leaving their questions in the comment section. Please be on the lookout. Uh, Our next few subjects are going to be very interesting, very good topics. So please let us know how you feel about them in in the comment section. Ask your questions. Like our YouTube channel and subscribe to it. That way we can live stream as well. And please keep us in your da'as during the rest of the month of Ramadan. Brothers and sisters, uh, I would like to also thank you for joining us today. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. And, uh, you know, soon we're going to be entering the Qadr nights, the most important nights within the year. Uh, please make sure that you keep everyone who is in need of du'a and your du'a. Make sure that you spend more time in prayer and du'a and contemplation. Uh, in this period versus doing things that are considered a waste of time. The month of Ramadan will soon be over. We're, we're already halfway uh, within the month and, you know, soon enough uh, the month will be over. And uh, not only that, but I believe that after Eid, inshallah, the lockdown will also be over for a lot of people. You'll go back to work and you'll go back to your normal lives. Uh, there's a two week, there's, there are two weeks, a great opportunity, a golden opportunity for you to make some wonderful decisions for yourself, seek greater success in your life, get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I will always pray for you and I ask for your dua in return. May Allah bless you all. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.